Are you ready to make positive transformation happen for you? Today, you're going to hear how some of the most successful people in the world have made it happen. Hello, and welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership with Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. These successful people and Dr. Woolsey will share advice, insights, tips, and tricks designed to help you incite personal action. It's time to bring positive transformational leadership to your life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Transformational Energy Leadership. I am your host, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey, coming to you live from the heartland of America. Now, today we're joined by a very special guest who's a symphony conductor and makes powerful linkages between leadership paradigms and music. Now, during the commercial breaks, I encourage you to go to my website to transformationalenergyleadership.com and learn more about me and my business offerings. And you can also contact me by emailing me at mwolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. You can also find me on this platform. That's voiceamerica.com under the Empowerment Channel. And I'm on social media, LinkedIn and Facebook. Now, for everyone out there listening today, this is a live show. So please call in and call in and engage in this conversation. So let's get things started. Today's show is called Leadership and the Music Paradigm, and joining me is Roger Nirenberg. Now, here's a little bit about Roger. He's the creator of the Music Paradigm, which we're going to talk about today, which has brought him to the podium of the London, the London Philharmonic, the New Zealand Symphony, the National Symphony, the Symphony Orchestras of Pittsburgh, Atlanta, and Baltimore. He's collaborated with musicians from more than 100 orchestras around the world. So this guy is busy. And there's a lot more I could read to you, but I think that's enough. You get the gist of what this guy is all about. Now, he's created the mu- music paradigm. And what it is, is it's a powerful learning experience that uses symphonic music to illuminate compelling insights about people at work. And over the past 20 years, Mr. Nirenberg has presented to hundreds of different organizations from civic groups to Fortune 500 companies in two dozen different countries. Okay, Roger, welcome to Transformational Energy Leadership. Good morning, Matthew. It's so great to have you here. Now, Roger, I have to be very honest with you. I am passionate about music, and my journey has not been anything like yours, but I have had the opportunity to lead the marching band in my high school and also at the university level at Washington State University. I was the drum major, so a shout out to all my cougars out there listening to the show today. And I'm curious, what was it, or when did you know that you wanted to dedicate your life to music? Oh, uh... I was around 10 years old, I'd say, and um, I kind of discovered classical music. I discovered the the Beethoven symphonies. I did not come from a musical family, uh, so it was kind of uh, on my own that I found it. But w- once I heard that music and it, it, it really went into me, um, I discovered a, a, a different dimension of, of what life was. And uh, I said, I don't know what this is, but whatever it is, this is what I want my life to be about. Mm. It triggered something within you, brought something to life. What? I didn't what feel like it triggered something in me. It, 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 gave, it felt like it gave me a window into something that was out there, that, uh-huh. was, that was just enormous. It was a different, a different dimension than anything I'd ever imagined. Wow. And then so it goes. You pursued. What I'm curious, what instrument did you play? At that time, I was a trumpet player. A and trumpet. I, I was just beginning. You know, I was playing in the school, the school band and uh, the school orchestra. And, um, 
and uh, I, when I would play in the orchestra, I'd get this incredible thrill that uh, sometimes it was difficult for me to, to stay seated because <laughs> I felt so much energy passing through me. Yeah. Yes, I I have to I have to agree. There's something powerful being with a group of other musicians, and you're all going towards the same thing. You're creating this this masterpiece, this beauty in the moment, in in that time. And there is a certain man. I agree with you there. What made you think about the greater implications of orchestral conducting when it comes to leadership and organizations? Well, when I became a music director. Um, in both my organizations, I was brought to certain uh, community groups like the the uh, Rotary Club and the Mennonite Club, and, you know, business business breakfast groups to represent the symphony. And I gave a number of talks there. And when I spoke about the orchestra and, and the upcoming concert and the guest artists and the music that we were playing, they listened to me politely. Uh, so then I started talking about the orchestra as a civic institution and, and what value it would, it would bring to the community. And, and they listened with a little bit more interest. But when I spoke about my job, what it means to be a conductor, what a conductor does, that was not just polite interest. They were really interested in that. And I began to wonder... Would it be possible to use that fascination that I saw as a channel through which to deliver music to them? Uh, and it took uh, it took well over a decade to for that to blossom into into something concrete. But my my uh, my mission was to uh, bring music to more people and to expand the audience of uh, for for symphony orchestras. That's what I was looking for, and that was why I invented this. It wasn't until I had done it for a year or so that I, I began to realize that this had, had huge business value that I hadn't really anticipated. And when you, when you talk about being a conductor... I think a lot of us see a person up there who's, you know, waving the baton and and everyone's following that person for the beat, perhaps. But there's so much more to that. How, yeah, how, there how, can be. Yeah. <laughs> yes, of course there is. Right. And w- how would you, when you describe to people what it is that you do when you lead the orchestra, how do you how do you encapsulate that? Well, it's. Um, what you what I don't want to do is just simply have everybody follow my orders as if they're my errand people and I'm telling everybody what to do and they're carrying it out. Because because you won't get the full energy of the talent that you have. Uh, how do you create the circumstances where they they understand what the higher values are and and it inspires them to draw on the things that they care about most in themselves in order to serve those values. So that's what conducting is. And it's more about creating the circumstances where, uh, where the action is evident to everybody and then everybody does it all together so that ultimately you don't really know who's doing it. It's so communal. It's such a... It's such a, a, a group effort. And, and you were, the, of yeah. course, I've learned part of that 
from the clients that I have because that's what they want their leaders to do. The, the, what I've discovered through working with all the business clients, the, the many, many hundreds of business clients that I've had, is that the, uh, the model of uh, some employee carrying out the boss's uh, directions, uh, whereas you know, in the 1980s that might have been successful, uh, by our time, the world is way too complex and way too fast, and information is way too available throughout the entire workforce. And a lot of times, the uh, the people who are who are at the lower levels of the organization have the same information that as the people, or they can have the same information as the people who are at the top. And so, uh, you need a model which is much faster, much more agile, much more transparent. Um, and the top-down command and control leadership, uh, which at one time was all that we knew, uh, that that won't work anymore. Right? Yeah. The the heroic traditional trait leader just doesn't it doesn't cut it anymore. Very much has gone into the transformational phase. I so how about sharing share with us and talk with us more about the the music paradigm. What is it that you do with with clients? Well, music paradigm is not fundamentally an artistic thing, although it's extremely artistic, but it is a business. It, it's a, it, I come into a business meeting, um, and at a certain, a certain time, they have on their schedule that the next event is going to be in a particular room. They walk into the room, and the room is set up as an orchestra, uh, and the audience, so to speak, they are, um, they're not really an audience, they're participants, but they sit amongst the musicians. And then, and then the musicians come in, they take their seats there, so the audience and the orchestra are there as one group. And I, having consulted with the leadership of the organization, I understand what the goals of the meeting are and what the larger goals of the company are. And then uh, I direct the orchestra to, after we've played just a little bit and they get used to hearing the sound and being there, I... I give various different role-playing exercises that I spring on the, order, on the orchestra spontaneously. So the orchestra does not know what's going to happen, which makes it very, very interesting for everybody because it becomes clear that unlike most every other business meeting they've ever gone to, this one is unscripted and spontaneous. And then I, the role-play exercises are designed to recreate the same kinds of situations that are going on inside their organization, except now they're happening in the orchestra. And so the various communication challenges and uh, the various uh, uh, success aspirations are the same, and the dysfunctions that they see happening there that are sometimes provoked by through the role plays they can relate to them. And whereas they walk into the room and they feel like they're strangers in a strange land, within about 20 minutes, they begin to realize that the things that are going on in this orchestra are the very same things that are happening at work. And because it's music uh, and it packs so much information into such a small time, they get to see themselves and their work with a different kind of clarity because they can see patterns more clearly than they can 
in the, the relatively slow pace of real time. But in musical time, where everything seems to be kind of sped up, they can, uh, they can recognize things about themselves that, that they recognize to be true, uh, and it gives them a kind of uh, revelatory moment of clarity. Clarity about what kind of success they could produce, what kind of relationships they could create at work, and what kind of dysfunctions they may have unconsciously been participating in that they, don't, they can see that that's dysfunctional and they don't want to do that anymore. So that's a lot of learning to happen in a 90-minute session. It's a tremendous amount of learning, and like you said, they're sitting there with the musicians, they're feeling it, they're seeing it, they're seeing the agitation on people's faces when things aren't necessarily going the way that they think they should be going, and I'm I, here, we're at a commercial break, Roger, so when we come back, let's continue talking about this so that our listening audience gets a really good sense of the experience that all the participants go through when you lead a, a, a session. So for everyone listening out there, we're going to a commercial break. Be sure to go to my website. That's transformationalenergyleadership.com. And we'll catch you here on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. If you're lost in the dating world and need GPS, if you're stuck in dating hell and can't get out, if you're in need of a dating intervention, then Done Being Single with host Trevor and Robbie Sharp is your lifeline to love. From hookups to happily ever after, learn how to navigate single life and find the one. Tune in to Done Being Single Saturdays, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on The Voice America Empowerment Channel. If you've always wanted to take the lead in your life, but you don't believe you are a leader, then it's time to change that mindset. Leadership expert Linda Patton will help you discover the powerful leader that lives within and teach you the leadership skills that will transform your business and your life. Stepping into your leadership brings reality to your vision, and leadership can be learned. Find out more on Leadership Stars every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. 
And welcome back. I hope you enjoyed taking a look at my website during the commercial break. So today I'm with Roger Nuremberg. He's a symphony conductor, passionate about leadership in the world of orchestral music. Now, Roger, before the break, we were talking about your passion for music and the creation of the music paradigm. And I have to be totally transparent with you. Back in 2010, I attended one of your workshops. And it was, I was in Is Chicago. That so? Yes. So, and you know, it was really interesting. As, Tell as me I where it was. It was in Chicago, and yes. PricewaterhouseCoopers had just acquired my company. And so we were there, and you facilitated this experience, and it was one of those moments in my life where, you know, one of those workshops you will never forget. So I have to tell you, I've participated in one of your sessions. It was really quite wonderful. How cool. I yeah. I don't know if you remember it because you do so many of them, but yes, yes. And so, you know, Roger, what I wanted to ask you is – what where did where did the music paradigm come from? So you said earlier you were talking with people and they were interested in what it was to be a conductor. It, it, how did you just wake up and say, you know, I, I think I need to get our orchestra together? Do you you know travel around the world with the same orchestra or how does that work? Well, you're asking a couple of uh, different questions at the same time. So I, sure am. <laughs> um, I can tell you, I'll answer the the last one that you asked. I. Um, I'm, I'm just looking up the session that uh, that you attended. It was uh, it was on the fourth of November, two thousand ten. Yes. And we played the yeah we played the Mendelssohn the Symphony Number no. Four. I remember it. Yeah. Yes, I remember and it, it too. It took place at the Sheridan, Chicago. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. So um, go back to your questions because I got a little distracted there for a moment. <laughs> That's quite all right. Yes. I, I, where did the idea come from? Well, I guess this idea of of music as a kind of a representation of human activity has always been with me. Uh, in a way, I think that we're at our most human when we're making music, uh, and there there are parallels. There are the basic parallels that we are breathing beings and music breathes and we have heartbeats and music has a pulse itself. So there's that. But then there's, there's for example, the, the idea of just reaching agreement. Playing in tune is a bunch of people reaching an agreement and everybody adjusting, everybody valuing the whole more than the part that they're playing. And so that kind of uh, musical phenomenon is very easily transferable to other kinds of, of human activity if you can just uh, kind of understand what the musical lens is. And so those ideas have always been around. And at, at the time that, I was, that these ideas were generating me, I, I was looking, at, looking for some kind of uh, workshop or something that I could do the result of which would be to make everybody who participated feel something like what I felt when I discovered music. Uh, that was my goal. But as I said, you know, I, I didn't realize that it, it, it was so useful for businesses. But the more I began to find out about what was going on in business organizations, the more I realized that the orchestra was absolutely the ideal vehicle for making those making those insights come to life in a very powerful way. And the curious thing was that while that was happening, 
my goal of having them feel music in a way they'd never felt before, that was coming, coming true at the same time. So it was just a very happy uh, coming together of many different kinds of things all at once. You know what I really appreciate about your workshops and the technique that you employ? I remember specifically you led the symphony and you stopped them and you you began the exploration into feelings and you, you often ask people, well, what did that feel like? How does that feel for you? And for me, that was just so very powerful and you get you elicit such good responses from people. Yeah, it's very interactive. Um, the uh, the audience is not passive. They're, they're participating, and uh, they're witnessing things. And they, occasionally, I call on somebody and say, "You know, what were you what were you hearing? What were you watching? Uh, how did you reflect on that?" Uh, and then I call on the musicians also to say, "What was your experience there?" Uh, and how do you do that? Explain to us how you how you do that. How do you make an ensemble with somebody who's all the way across the room? Um, and all those questions that I ask are targeted because I know that the organization that's, that's hiring me is not doing so to give their employees an artistic experience. They have, they have business goals that are very important, and I have to satisfy those goals. As a matter of fact, I have to exceed their expectations about the progress that they'll make on, on those goals. So I'm doing that, but the music... Uh, the music becomes the vehicle for doing that. And it happens right there in real time. I, and I want to go back to a question I, I was wanting to ask you earlier, and that is when you travel to these different locations around the world, different different places, is it the same orchestra that's with you or is it a, a visiting orchestra? How does that work? No, I always use the local orchestra wherever they are, and I always see them just before the session. And I see them for the first time, and we have one hour together, and during that hour, we, we rehearse and we figure out how, how we're going to play this piece and how we're going to play in this unusual setup with the audience right in the middle of us, and we, and we musicians are spread out much more than we're used to. Uh, so we have to sort of redefine where, to, where the sound is going to come from. So we have one hour to settle that, and then, and then the, uh, the participants come in, and, uh, and nobody really knows what, it, what it's going to be. Uh, and I think that's one of the thrilling things about this type of learning, because it's so spontaneous and so natural. And even the people who, who walk in with a very cynical attitude... Um, and, you know, convinced that there's nothing important that's going to be important to them that's going to happen in this room. They get completely disarmed because they're so fascinated by the, the uh, authenticity of what's going on. Uh, it's just very hard to argue with it uh, because it's so real. I completely agree because being there, so what you just described it's boy, that's the essence of real leadership. You're thrown together and you've got an hour and now we, we, we have this music to play and all how you execute that as the leader, really the, the group feels it and they see it. I remember I was watching one of your clips where you were conducting a group. I can't remember where it was and you were over conducting. 
you know, where you were pointing to each section or really just getting down and and telling them where, where to do, you, you could observe that, not even being a musician, just watching what you were doing. And the essence of that was you were micromanaging. It was such a, a profound example of what micromanaging looks like in an organization. And Yeah, it's very I, easy to model that. And the point that I make is, you know, micromanaging feels very good. It, it feels, first of all, as though you're being very responsible and you're working hard and you're using all of your intelligence and uh, you know, all of this leadership talent, which is having quite the opposite effect of what you want to do because you want things to be great and you're taking care of all these things. But you, you're unaware of the fact that the people are losing energy because of what you're doing. Your increased energy is depriving uh, them of their own energy. And the other thing about micro, micromanagement is that it, at the same time it's so active and seems to be serving the organization, it is also withholding of the very information that they need, which is what is our strategy? It's as if micromanaging is saying, you don't need to know the strategy, just do what I tell you. Whereas the type of leadership that, to which I aspire is the type that says, here's what we're about, here's our goal, this is what we're going to do now, what, what can you contribute to that? Uh, and, and that invitation uh, draws much more energy and in addition to it, more expertise and a higher level of expertise so that the musicians are doing things that you don't even know how to ask them to do because they are now drawing on everything they have. What, so I'm curious, you know, we talk about, on, on the show, I talk about the various different leadership frameworks that are out there, you know, and I'm curious, how do you make linkages when you're conducting the orchestra to, to leadership frameworks, frameworks like, you know, transformational leadership, servant leadership, shared leadership, how do you, how do you bring that forth in your debriefs? Well, uh, to begin with, before any of this happens, I have a conversation with the organizers of the meeting. And it, sometimes it might be a conversation with the CEO. Sometimes it might be with, with other people, the, the chief learning officer. or the, uh, It could be uh, any number of different people. And I ask them, so what would a successful outcome for this meeting be? What, what are you trying to achieve? Why is this meeting merit all the expense of time and money that's being invested in it? What's the big success that you're looking for? And then I ask, well, uh, after I've, I've probed that, then I ask, well, what's holding you back? What are the impediments? Why isn't it already happening? Why do you have to tell people these things? Do they know it already? And if they know it, why aren't they doing it? And because I'm a, a musician and not really uh, fundamentally from the business world, I, I ask different kinds of questions. And my questions are, are, are quite probing because I do it because I have to get down to a kind of bedrock fundamental understanding of the human activities and dilemmas within the organization. And based on that, I design the whole session. And I customize, I customize it for every client. Um, and that's the way I, uh, I know which ones to emphasize. It's not arbitrary. And I want the participants to have the revelation that what's going on in the orchestra 
is the very same thing that's happening in their company. It is quite moving. You do your work, you you do your homework, you ask those critical questions of them, and from that you create this experience that they, not only the leaders are in, I mean, everyone's in this experience, and you just bring things to life right then and there. And I'm, I'm sure that that triggers or spurs some really good conversations afterwards after you leave the, the venue for a moment. You know, Roger, we're at another yeah. commercial we're at a, at a commercial break, and what we'll do is we'll continue this conversation about transformation and, and leadership in the, in, in the world of music. And so we'll do that. We'll come back here in just two minutes. Stay tuned. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Have you always known that something different was possible for your life and in the world? What if you could create beyond your current reality? If your relationships, finances, business, health, and life could be anything, what would they be? Join Heather Nichols for an invitation to discover what is true for you in every area of your life. And for conversations loaded with pragmatic tools for how to create it. Listen live every Monday at noon Pacific and 9 p.m. Central European time for Creating Beyond Reality on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We all experience grief and loss. It's not something most people like to talk about, but these topics do need to be discussed. On Let's Talk About Grief, host Addie Anderson speaks to both professionals and individuals about grief death and personal loss you'll hear the important topics the personal and professional outlooks and learn how to prepare yourself and loved ones when the need arises listen mondays at 2 p.m eastern time 11 a.m pacific on voice america empowerment the white house doctor makes house calls Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Transformational Energy Leadership. To reach Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey or his guest today, you are welcome to call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, Send it to mwoolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com. Now, back to this week's show. And we are back. Today, my guest is Roger Nuremberg. And both of us were discussing leadership and how he uses the power of music to make critical leadership points with whoever he is working with. Now, Roger, before the break, you were just describing the experience of what people go through that the orchestra, you meet them about an hour prior, and then in comes the company or the organization you're working with. And in that moment, you target the goals that the leaders have of which they want to make sure the messages are coming across through, through that 90-minute experience that they have with you. And it, quite powerful, as I told you in the previous section, I, I had the opportunity to participate in one of your workshops. 
I'm curious, and we, you and I were talking during the break, it's easy for participants to go through an experience like this, say, hey, that was really great. They leave the experience, and that's what it was. So what are you doing to help keep that experience alive once you leave leave the company that you're working with? Yeah. Well, there's one thing I want to add to that as part of my answer, that a lot of my clients want to bring about, they want to uh, inspire their people to take more risk. They want to inspire innovation, imagination. They want to release energy. And then they present those ideas in ways that are lacking in imagination, they're lacking in innovation, they're, they're the most kind of hackneyed ways of presenting ideas that are scripted, and it's, uh, you know, somebody stands in front of the room and teaches, it, and they, they're not aware of the fact that, that it is fundamentally contradicting the very thing that they want to promote. So it's very, but it takes a tremendous amount of courage to put on something which is unscripted and spontaneous, where you don't really, you can't have a, you can't be guaranteed of what's, what the result is going to be. But every, every musician knows that we live in a, a, a world of live music and live performances in which the outcome is not guaranteed, and that's part of the excitement. Everybody in sports understands that too. If the if the course of events were predetermined, there'd be no interest in the sport. So, um, uh, you asked me how do how do what do I do in order to help people continue the learning? Well, of course, I wrote a book, which is called Maestro: A Surprising Story About Leading by Listening, and that's very useful. And sometimes my clients uh, will will order batons that they can give out to people. But now I'm, I'm, I'm ge- investing a lot more energy into what kind of tools I can leave with the organization because I don't want what I offer to be just a single event. I wanted to, uh, to start a whole learning initiative with their organization. And so I'm designing videos and other kinds of tools that uh, that can be part of the experience for all their people, and it can be over a long duration. I, you know, Roger, I talk a lot, and in fact, you have mentioned it a number of times today, and that's energy. And part of my thing, you know, as I talk about leadership and being transformational, you have to have energy, and all of us have different kinds of energy. Sometimes we we have this, you know, a, a catabolic energy that's negative or destructive. And there's also the other side, it's called anabolic energy, which is very positive and growth oriented. What are your thoughts about energy and leadership? Yeah. Well, of course, it's a very, very important question. And uh, I know from the early days of my conducting career that when, when I thought that if I increased my energy, that would increase the energy in the orchestra. And I discovered that that's not the case at all. Um, and I think it's that way in organizations, too. That the way you, uh, you increase the, the, your people's energy is by creating a kind of a vacuum that can only be filled by their activities and their participation. And when they, they see the need, the imperative, then... Um, then they they just step into it. 
I, well, there was one coach who told me um, about um, when there was the bombing in Oklahoma City. Uh, and she had worked for a company that was there at the time. And she told me that it just so happened that all the upper echelon executives were away at an offsite at the time. And when they came back, their people told them, it is so it is so lucky that you guys were not here when this happened because we never could have done it as well if you had been directing us because the sense of imperative was so strong that everybody knew exactly what to do and they functioned in this higher kind of way. So that's an example of where the imperative draws the energy. So part of your job as a leader is to just communicate to make evident, to manifest the imperative of what, is, what needs to be done, what is the purpose and, and what needs to happen, and not necessarily direct everything that's going to happen because uh, you'll only get a certain part of the potential energy. Yet there is a way to get it all, and the really great conductors, they can do that. They have this way of... And it seems like it's magic, but I've thought about it a lot, and I've figured out a lot of what it involves. And it involves with your behavior of just inviting and awakening uh, people to the possibility of what they can do once it's clear what needs to be done. That's wonderful. I really That example makes so much sense. I was thinking about when you were talking about that, there are the elements of shared leadership or collectivism or, you know, where we believe that in the moment people will rise to the occasion and, and, and you don't have to have the title of leader. We all have the potential to lead. That's what I hear you saying, too, is that within the orchestra, everyone, everyone's a leader. It just depends on when it's their time to lead. Yeah. The, in the case of the Oklahoma City bombing, well, of course... Everybody knew what to do because it was, it was such a crisis. It, the, the imperative was so strong. Mm-hmm. But in normal life, the imperative is not so much in the foreground. It's, it's, it's in the background. And so the leader's job is to, is to make it equally clear when there's no, no evident crisis about to make the imperative so, um, so palpable that Everybody knows what to do. That's a powerful lesson right there. That in the moments when things, it's not as clear, it isn't as urgent to, as a leader, we still have to paint that picture and make it, make it so that it is real for people. Is that, did I capture, capture that, that right? You said it really beautifully. Great. And that's what I try to do in my conducting. Yes. And, and it's funny, well. you know, last week I was, I was conducting uh, musicians from a, a very famous orchestra. They were really good. And in the rehearsal, I was working with them. And I could tell that sometimes I would kind of like, I would, uh, what would I do? I would almost stop conducting. But that's because it was, it was a kind of gesture for me to, to hand, hand it over to them and to, and to invite them to, to take it on now. And I saw that there were a bunch of musicians who, the moment I did that, they stopped playing because they weren't used to me yet. They weren't used to this style that I have of, of doing everything that's necessary, but the minimum necessary 
so that it it invites more from them. But after a while, they got they got quite used to it, and and they came to understand that. Hmm. Yes, it it conjures the question: Does an orchestra really need a conductor? What do you think? What do you, what's your reaction to that? Well, I think um, it's not a, a black and white answer. But I say conductors certainly save a lot of time. They can get things done much more quickly um, and much more efficiently. And and if the and if the orchestra is really inspired by the leadership, it, it works wonderfully. Uh, but they can do a lot. They can do a lot without a conductor. And um, and I and every session I ask the orchestra, including the one that you're in, I always ask the orchestra to play without conductor at a certain time, and I, I demonstrate to the to the audience all the things that they can do without conductor. And when you see that, it makes you wonder. Well, if they can do that without conductor, well, what do they need the conductor for? And the answer is that the the professional orchestra delivers absolutely first rate business as usual, but. We all know that business as usual in a very competitive world is is not enough. And so but to to bring to elevate the level to something extraordinary and something, you know, new and um uh a leader is necessary for that. Because only the leader standing on the podium has has the position and the authority to look beyond and see the big picture, to see the perspective and to connect the dots and to make sense of everything in a way that people in the chairs can't quite do. And that's why when a leader in that position does nothing more than micromanage, which is telling people stuff to do things that they already know they have to do, that that leaves a huge leadership vacuum. And that's one of the tragedies of micromanagement. It sure is. And what a perfect image of what you just created there is that you're up on the podium and you've got that macro level view where you're able to see all the parts, how they're dynamically working with or not working with each other and to see, okay, the the the, the north light, whatever you want to call it, that goal that you want to get them to. And you said excellence or what was the word that you said? You can not only deliver business as usual, but was it superb? Something of that nature. To, trans- to transcend the le- uh, what what uh, is simply business as usual, and to do something which is extraordinary, something new, something more effective, something better, clearly better in every way. You know, it's interesting because as leaders, what we want to do is we want all we want our people also to connect the dots that they see in front of them. They don't see as many as as you can from the podium, but they see plenty of them. And the more they get into that mode of, I'm not only going to execute, but I'm also going to make sense by connecting all these dots in front of me. Well, it's really important that the leader be modeling that also, because if if the leader is doing that as the as one of the primary activities, then other people get inspired to do that themselves, and then the whole organization begins to feel like a collective of leaders at various different levels, carrying out various different kinds of tasks that are all integrated and all coordinated. 
and that's when the extraordinary happens. I'm reflecting back on days when I would be performing, and I, I remember different points where we would be in a performance, and a certain, perhaps the trumpets or the, the you know, a different section of the of the band got off got off tempo just a little bit, and how the conductor would just somehow bring it all back together, calm calm it down and, you know, through that storm, just be very calm and poised and, and get us through that. And there's, there's so many parallels about what you're doing and how organizations can learn from what an orchestra does. And there are endless I, th- parallels. That's why it's always fascinating for me to design the exercises. And right now, uh, you know, uh, I do from time to time read... Uh, uh, books about uh, about business, and I always find some inspiration for some new exercise that I invent, uh, some role playing exercise for the orchestra. And they they work oh so well. I've seen <laughs> seen lots of them. You know, I have to ask you, and you know, because your world is all about music. In your opinion, why are the arts really an important part of our culture and our lives? Well. Um, Kind of, it's a little bit related to what what we were just talking about. There is a dimension of of life which is available to us, but it's not always visible. It's not always evident, and it may take some kind of huge life event, some catastrophe, or some suffering, or some incredible joy to to bring us to the place where we're we're alive on that dimension. But the arts can do that. And unlike the catastrophe and, and, and the, you know, the painful experiences, the arts are completely safe. <laughs> you're not really in danger. You're just experiencing danger. That you, you're experiencing something, but in reality you're safe. So the arts enable you to, to elevate to a higher, a higher experience of what your life is and what it means. Uh, but it requires a kind of act for, for the spirit to be activated. And our culture, the drift of our culture, is to, is to provide people. It's as if, you know, all these, uh, there are so many things that micromanage our attention for us. They tell us, they show us, they tell us what what's important, what to do, and, and they they let let those capabilities sort of atrophy. But the arts don't do that. It requires that the 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 uh, the participants, you know, the the uh, what would I call it, the reader, the listener, the viewer, you know, to activate capabilities. Um, and so that's why I think it's so very important for somebody to have that kind of experience, to feel what it's like to be really active. And that is, that is why I invented the music paradigm, because I wanted to create a circumstance where people could, could feel that. And in reality, everybody who goes through it always feels it. So I consider that one of the big successes of the music paradigm, that in fact, they the participants do have an artistic experience as well as one which is revelatory about their about the reality of their their careers mhm you know i often say on the show that we as human beings were feelers who just happened to think and 
what you just described, that's very much you're getting into the soul of human beings, our, our emotional size, tapping into that part of our brain that's where all the creativity happens. We're unleashing and allowing that part to really trigger in our mind of what the possible could be. And think of how wonderful it is for a workforce to have actually felt something together, how mm-hmm. it loosens things up and un- unleashes this imagination and, and humor and, uh, and creativity. And uh, you know, it's a wonderful influence. And all my clients tell me that afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yes, having that full man when you have when you have your whole brain working, what a what a beautiful thing to be working with. <laughs> and so, you know, Roger, over the course of our discussion today, we've talked about a number of things. And what I'd like to do for the listeners out there when when they leave the show, what can they do to implement things in their life afterwards? So when you think about what are the three, maybe the top three, four things that we could give to the listeners and say, okay, you know, after the show, go do this. Challenge yourself to do this. What would you say those are? Well, I wish I wish I could answer that question uh, and give a list of, you know, do this, do that. But <laughs> yeah. I, I worry that people might might follow the advice, but get trapped in the same kind of patterns of experience that that they're that they're used to. Uh, and what you need is something that kind of takes you out of that. Mm-hmm. So that was why I wrote my book. Uh, the book is not the same as as having music in it, but I did work hard to create a kind of a, a framework. Uh, and it does read like a story, but to create a framework where people could get some insights. But I would say if you look at my website, which is musicparadigm.com, there are a number of videos there, and there are blogs, and there are devices. Eventually, a recording of, of this interview will be on the, the website also. So um, that's the best that I can say. Otherwise, just be lucky enough like yourself to participate in a session because the session accomplishes something that I wasn't even sure that could be done before I, before I created it. Uh, and I don't really know how else to give it. Fair enough. What you just said, it's, it makes a lot of sense because it's this, it's a visceral, it's something that you feel that you're in the moment. And once you go through it, it becomes very real for you and the channels and the things that you identified or tools to use whether it's your book and I do encourage the listeners out there go to his website there's some terrific videos that show you instantly what's happening when working with audience or working with the orchestra how the simple movement or not the the way that his body is engaged with it or not it's just right there you see it and you can tell when things are going well and when the performers are getting frustrated and it's all intentional, and it, he does, Roger does such a nice job, job tying it and linking it back to what the goals and objectives are based off of the work that he did with the leaders who brought him in. So very, that's, that's, those are all excellent ways for us to do that, Roger. And, you know, before we go, I'm curious, Roger, one of the things that as leaders we need to keep doing is educating ourselves and challenging ourselves. So I'm curious, what are you, what are you doing right now to challenge yourself? Is there a certain book you're reading or... Uh, a program that you're going through, what are you doing for yourself? Well, 
the main thing I do is I practice the piano because that's <laughs> plenty challenging. That's yes. as challenging as any human activity. But I'm also reading a book which is called um, Changing on the Job, Developing Leaders for a Complex World by Jennifer Garvey Berger. Um, and uh, I, I'm really quite fascinated by this book. Um, that's just what's happening on for me. But, uh, you know, shortly after we finish this call, I'm going to be practicing the piano. And so uh, I, I, that's a great challenge for me. It's a challenge in, in, uh, on many levels. It's a mastery of myself, of my mind, of, you know, keeping of my concentration. Um, so uh, I think it's very important to, to keep yourself challenged. Absolutely. You know what I, I always tell people when I play my flute, I'm classically trained. What I love about it is I go into another world and I experience a whole different side of myself that I just really appreciate. And, and I agree with you. Take yourself away. Challenge yourself. Roger, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate what you've shared with all of us and the power of music. And for everyone out there, I encourage you, take a look at his, at his website and, and go to one of his workshops. They are life impacting to say the least so for everyone out there i will see you next week if you have a topic if you have someone that you would like to have on the show i encourage you to let me know you can email me at mwolsey at transformationalenergyleadership.com find me on facebook or linkedin until next week harness that positive energy that you have lead transformation and we'll see you then bye-bye thank you for listening to transformational energy leadership Please join Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey again for another edition next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.